0: Now then, for our reading from God's Word this morning, we're reading from Ephesians chapter 5, the account from verse 22 to the end of the chapter. Uh, This is the Apostle Paul uh, outlining clearly uh, the spirit-filled life, not only thankfulness and, um, and joyfulness and submissiveness. But it's manifested then in the lives uh, of men and women, particularly here in this context of wives and husbands. Now, we looked previously at verses 22 to 24, at the the verses relating to the wife. And uh, this this morning, we're looking at the verses from verse 25 to the end that deal with the responsibilities, duties and privileges of the husband. But we read this passage now before we come to prayer. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the Lord is the, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church, And gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, for he who loves his wife loves himself, After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. But may the Lord be pleased to bless that portion of his word. In turning to verses 25 to 33 of Ephesians chapter 5 this morning, uh, we are here reminded of the responsibilities of the husband with regards to his marriage. And also as well, we're instructed in a manner... Uh, in which Christ the Lord Jesus uh, himself dealt and acted towards the church. And this is the example that again is given to us. And the husband then cannot really begin to know what is expected of him without also knowing something uh, of the way in which Christ has loved the church. And I suppose in one sense we cannot really uh, grasp what are the requirements of ourselves in any relationship if we have not fundamentally grasped how God has loved us in Jesus Christ? Now it's possible for us to get along with one another, uh, but really to be the human beings that we are intended, were intended to be and are intended to be, we must have this fundamental understanding That although we have failed and although there are many bad things wrong with us, God has loved us deeply in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we begin to grasp that, that then begins to percolate and spread out into our understanding of our relationships with one another as well, whatever they be. And so, in one sense, we're concentrating upon a relationship, a unique relationship uh, between a husband and a wife here this morning. where We're learning principles here that help us in all our relationships. Now, there are two main themes here in these verses this morning. Firstly, the one uh, is the, the selfless love of the Lord Jesus Christ towards his church. And so you might say, well, this husband and wife thing, I, 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 I'm, I haven't yet been married. I don't intend to be married. I, I was married. It's no longer relevant to me. Uh, there is something here for us all. We're able to say this. We understand Christ's selfless love uh, of the church. And then also then the husband's responsibilities his selfless love of his wife, and one reflects the other. So let's look firstly at Christ's selfless love uh, of the church and lay that as a foundation, uh, and then we'll consider the the application with regards to the husband. Now, here we are considering again doctrine. It's interesting. If you read uh, some sort of uh, basic commentary on on, on Ephesians, uh, we're told basically what Paul does is chapters 1 to 3, doctrine. Chapters 4 to 6, application. Well, here we are back again dealing with doctrine. The doctrine of Christ's love for the church. And so in one sense there is an overlapping here. How does this selfless love reveal itself? Well, verse 25 tells us very clearly. Christ gave himself up for her. Christ gave himself up for her. This is much more now than, than just saying the right words. I mentioned before the, the, the young man, he sends his uh, intended bride a text. I think the world of you. There's nothing I would not do for you. You're always in my thoughts. I cannot think of anyone else I would rather be with than spend my life with. I'll be over tonight after the football if it's not raining. And in one sense, you can say the words. But we know it's the actions, isn't it? It's what follows on. Now, we pause to consider, firstly, the distance of the Saviour. The distance he covered to come is from the realms of glory into a world of sorrow, into a world of opposition, into a world of rejection. But it was much more than just coming and saying a few words, you know from time to time we we all get a little bit excited in our community uh some uh, personality or uh, some important political or royal figure uh, is is to come and uh and, and we and we gather because they're going to visit us, and who knows we might hear them say a few words and and we get excited about it but we but we know that although we're we're thrilled a bit about it. But in one sense, they're not going to live with us. They're not going to be here with us day by day through the difficulties and the struggles. We appreciate it. Well, now, when we think of the Lord Jesus Christ coming, never think of it. It's just one of these sort of parachute visits that he's coming perhaps just to say a few words and to shake a few hands and unveil a plaque here and there and then leave us. No, he gave himself up for her, we read. He gave himself energetically, gave himself fully and wholly to the task of making the church, we read, a holy people, as we read that he is cleansing the church, cleanses the church, purifies the church, removes the wrinkles, the blemishes from it. Now here we have something of, a, of more than a fleeting interest there. What we have here, what is uppermost in the mind and action of the Lord Jesus Christ, was to remove these idiosyncrasies, these frailties, to begin to change and to alter them so that they would become the people that God intended them to be. To beautify them, not only externally, but internally as well. And to bring them to a fullness of life uh, as the people God intended them to be. Now, there's much more uh, that we can say with regards to than just setting us an example of how to live. It involves certainly the removal of sin. This is the reason why he came, the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. But much more than that, yes, the bearing of the guilt, yes, and the exposing of himself to the wrath of God that was rightly ours, but also a concern then to cleanse us from sin and to sanctify us and to to bring to that development all the graces that qualify and qualities that that add to that type of living which indeed glorifies God. And this is not something that starts out with energy and determination and then gradually over time loses its momentum. The verbs here do speak in a past tense, notice, having cleansed, so that's certainly reference to past, the past, but also there's this present tense of a continuing activity to purify and to, to make holy. Now what stands out, certainly, is the investment, the investment of the person of the Lord Jesus in this task and its involvement with people. Not only effort and time, but it's personal involvement. He gave himself up, we read. Now, when we think about the Lord Jesus Christ and his love for the church, we are directed now to recall certainly his dedication and his resolve, not only then feeling love for us, uh, and uh, having a, a sentiment and a, and, and, and a desire for, for us to be improved and to be rescued, but to do something about it. But also as well, it's more than kind thoughts, but it's words and actions that reveal themselves in the commitment. And we, we know as we'll approach the Easter season again this year, what always stands out is the commitment of the Lord Jesus. To this, No, you know, you, you verses in the Old Testament. He sets his face like flint. There, there's a sense of uh, of task ahead of him, and uh, he's putting all that energy uh, into that. Nothing's going to sort of stop him from from accomplishing it. There are obstacles in the way and difficulties, but he's he's making his way towards Jerusalem, uh, that place where sin will be dealt with, and he will rescue his people. And also as well we read here that there is reference to uh, that he will cleanse them through the word. That's verse 26. Cleanse them through the word. And commentators agree this is then the, the speaking of the gospel that the Lord Jesus Christ himself proclaimed. And that Paul now himself was proclaiming, had proclaimed in Ephesus. And it's confirmed then in the hearts of believers. And it's manifest in terms then of belief and then baptism and the confession of faith in Jesus Christ. As Jesus spoke of himself as the good shepherd in John chapter 10 verse 14, there he then follows on and said, I lay down my life for the sheep. Now this interest then continues. Uh, having initially saved people from the penalty of sin by the sacrifice of himself as an atoning substitute, that's the Easter story, Uh, The Lord Jesus now continues to be interested and concerned uh, to deal with all those old ways and habits that have brought a blemish and a spot and a wrinkle uh, on our lives. What's past is past, but what's future, what is in the front or before us, can be different And uh, the work of the Holy Spirit through this uh, uh, operation of God working in our hearts brings that about. So it's an ongoing concern. This is the point I'm trying to underline. It's an ongoing concern. It never ceases. Interest continues. It does not wane. It does not deteriorate. The ultimate goal is to present the church without defect. To have effected not only an outward change and adornment but also a, a beautifying within and this there then continues to be the, uh, the dealings of the Lord Jesus Christ with his church Christ is not simply interested in signing us up then, you, know, you have people they just want to sign you up, sign you up, so you, you sign up to the kingdom of God so just sign you up and leave it like that leave, it, leave you to yourself all he wants is a signature No, it's more than that. When we come to uh, seek to understand what motivated the saviour to be so involved and concerned, Paul speaks of it being a profound mystery. Uh, It's so deep to appreciate. Theologians speak about what's called a, a mystical union. What do they mean by that? Well, it's a mystical union between Christ and his people, Christ and the church. And we see it in the phrase here in verse 30, For we are members... Of his body. We are in Christ. And also Christ is in us. An indissoluble bond exists. And nothing can now separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this then is the theme that Paul takes up to illustrate now the relationship between a husband and his wife. The relationship is... Not strong to begin, just only strong to begin, with all the sort of devotion and all of love and interest. But no, uh, it doesn't then um, weaken. It shouldn't weaken over the years uh, as the time passes by. There, there's no to be no cooling of of interest or an involvement and concern. But it's not then like a a hobby that was once started and is not followed through. Uh, no this is something for for the long run for the duration now as we've seen that as an outline outline then of, of the love of Christ for the church let's secondly move on to consider the husband's selfless love uh, for his wife most men would certainly uh, be concerned to discuss and take time perhaps to talk about the advantages of what we would call sound investments sure many people are thinking about that at this present time. Uh, uh, where best to invest uh, in terms of uh, a pension for the future, or a portfolio of stocks and shares? Uh, is it best to invest it in gold, uh, metals perhaps, rather than uh, other things? Uh, we can understand how you'd have a discussion about uh, the advantages of sound investment. Well, we can say this: Someone has written. Marriage is an investment. To see any dividends, you must pay interest. Read it again. Marriage is an investment. To see any dividends, you must pay interest. Play on the words that perhaps we would use in terms of uh, investment and banking and financial thoughts. And you begin then to think, well, if this is then the the role of the husband, if the wife certainly is to submit to her husband, as we discussed it in verse 22 on the previous occasions, then certainly you think, well, uh, what Paul is going to say, that the husband then has to, he'd be instructed to make sure that he assumes authority uh, to make sure his wife submits to him. That's going to be his task. That's what Paul's going to say. You make sure that she submits to you. It's nothing like that at all. What you read here is this. Paul underlines very, very clearly that the husband is to give attention and energy and resolve to to love his wife. I don't know if you're aware, uh, if you are a a pensioner or about to become a pensioner, uh, up until this present moment, there has been what's called the triple lock triple lock on the pension. So uh, certain things, inflation rises, something else happens uh, uh, and and, and it all goes in and so pensions rise in comparison uh, and inequality with that. A triple lock. But whether that will continue, we'll wait to see. But here we have in these verses, now look carefully with me, a triple lock with regards to marriage and the responsibilities of a husband. Verse 25, notice the phrase there. Husbands, Love your wives. Verse twenty-eight records this: husbands ought to love their wives. And then the last verse, verse thirty-three, again concludes the section on marriage, by again confirming that each one of you must must also must love his wife. You know, it's like he's hit it once, he's hit it twice, he's hit it three times. Triple lock. Now we've already noticed the reference to loving a wife as Christ loved the church. And we're also now to note, I'm told, that this man is to love his wife because she is one with him in body. This is a reference back to Genesis, uh, chapter chapter 2, verse 24, speaks of a man leaving his parents, his mother and his father, joining his wife, being united to his wife. And in that union, a man ceases to be, first of all, an individual. He's also now more than just a partner with his wife. There is this union, something mystical. And that's what Paul picks up then with regards to the church. It's profound. His wife is no more than than a neighbor to him, someone who's near to him or alongside him but we read the two become one flesh. Now, I'm sure you've uh, either read or recalled or have heard in marriage services uh, the quotation from Matthew Henry. Uh, we are indebted to him for his wonderful commentary on the whole of the Bible, although he didn't have time to complete it. All others uh, did that for him. But with regards to, to marriage, uh, this is what Matthew Henry said. The woman was made of a rib out of the side of Adam. Not made out of his head to rule him, not out of his feet to be trampled by him, but out of his side to be equal to him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be loved. We say, well, Matthew, Henry, you're a little bit sentimental there. But the point is right. The Old Testament book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verse 18, uh, commands a person to love your neighbor as yourself. And that, we know, is developed in Matthew, chapter 7, verse 12. Uh, In everything you do, do to others what you would have them do to you. That sort of golden rule. But a wife is more than a neighbor. There is a unique bond here. And again, we're thinking of that unique bond that exists between Jesus Christ and the church. A man cares and nourishes his own body. We read this in this passage. And his wife is also then thought of in the same manner. A husband is not to abuse his wife or neglect his wife or take her for granted the love uh, that is to be shown in the context here is sacrificial it's a sacrificial love but how does that how does that manifest itself? well there are three other little S words that we can bring to, to, to this this morning it is sacrificial but secondly as well it's also a seasonable love what do we mean by that? well it's a love that endures through all the circumstances of life through the seasons of life, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health. We have uh, members with us now who who uh, are unable to continue to attend with us here on a Sunday. And uh, they're going through difficulties and uh, ill health and uh, age-related problems, but there's still that commitment, one to another, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health. (laughs) In the hopeful days of spring, certainly, in the glad days of summer, the fruitful days of harvest, and the cold days of the winter. It's seasonable. It endures. Also as well, it's a sensitive love. Most men are readily able to read the signs on the motorway, hopefully, for safe travel and arriving at a chosen destination, but... How good uh, at being able to read the signs, to read the vibes. uh, That his wife is tired, that that his wife perhaps is is troubled, that his wife is concerned. uh, And to sit down and to discuss and to listen sometimes. More to listen rather than discuss. We're back to that little quote I gave. Paying interest brings dividends. Someone as well has said, you think of the word married, if you concentrate on the letter I and concentrate so much on it that you, you only think of it th- that as one letter, what word are you left with? Marred. And, sadly, some men never stop thinking about themselves. They spend regular time keeping themselves physically fit. Uh, They spend all their time and their money, uh, sometimes on their own interests and their hobbies, giving very rare thought to the mental and physical condition of their better half, as they speak of them, but not really consider them so. A selfless husband does not pick up on every single detail that he feels is out of place. Finally, the sacrificial love of God in Jesus Christ and manifest in a marriage is a sharing love. It is more than giving a couple of uh, sort of pieces of chocolate from your bar of chocolate to, to someone. It's sharing your day. It's sharing your concerns. It's sharing yourself. A wife who is loved like that will not find it difficult to respect or fear or submit to her or reverence her husband. Confidence and trust will continue to develop and the bond grows stronger, not weaker, as both travel through the seasons of life. A husband is to remind himself then how Christ has loved him. You're a believer in one sense. These verses, you see, uh, I can imagine some people say, well, I'm not happy with it. Yeah, well, I'd ask you, you, first of all, if you're not a Christian, you can't, you can't begin to uh, uh, understand this. You, you can't begin to live this type of life. You don't know how much you are loved. Oh, you might love yourself a lot, but to be loved with an everlasting love, to be loved with a love that in one sense you didn't deserve, that you didn't feel uh, was yours, that you could have called upon. Once you begin to understand that, how much you are loved, that will help you then to be able to begin to manifest that love of God in Jesus Christ to others. Only a Christian can begin to understand the depth of this love. And these verses then are written to men and women who are already believers, who have already submitted to Christ. So that stubborn eye has already become a a bent sea for Christ. And that then being the case, in the conflict and in the turbulence and in the detachment that uh, sometimes it is manifest in married life and other relationships as well, that can only be dealt with as we understand how much God in Jesus Christ has loved us. And by coming to Christ and remaining close to him, a Christian marriage can go from strength to strength. So well, I hope those thoughts are, uh, of aid and help to us.